Put this chip on my shoulder, won't come off. I scrubbed and scrubbed until I was red raw. Reconstructed full of filler. Somebody break the bronze soul. I guess I'm just a peasant from up north. Right, should we start? Al, yeah, Al, Joe, Dan and Reese here. The two quiet men in the background. One's lost his voice and the other one, well, he doesn't have much of a voice, but they're in the background. The J-Man and myself will probably be doing a lot of the chit-chat, so bear with us. So here we are today. It's February 2021. As ever, we're just chatting about anything and everything from history to current events to our own experiences things we've seen and heard and it's a sort of group therapy for ourselves really in a kind of cathartic way we're getting out of our system aren't we and it's much for other people maybe listening and finding it mildly amusing if that or and it's as much for us just to have a little chat and catch up with each other in our different little covid world bubbles and you know there you go anyway so hopefully we've got the sound issues resolved last time it was messy again Hopefully number three, it'll be good, and it won't be too, too messy. Be better anyway. What do you reckon? Things gonna be. Think so. Yeah, go on. Every, every every episode we will get a little bit clearer. Our audio will improve. That's what I think. That's right. That's right. And judging by the uh, popularity of the last two podcasts, I mean it's been overwhelming. We're receiving some good offers of sponsorship deals as well, which is good to see. So. We'll let you know on that front. We're trying to keep it clean of uh, sponsorship. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> anyway, we've had some questionable. We've had some questionable sponsors offers come forward, haven't we? Mm. But we're going to keep it. Keep mm. it all under the belt. Yeah, for now, I think we're okay. We've got. We have paying jobs ourselves. So at the moment, we've got enough, you know, income coming in, without having to resort to, you know, sponsorship of any kind. Anyway. We've got lots in this week's podcast, all kinds of things. Quote with the pod. We've got COVID moments or covents or pandemic pandemonium, whatever you want to call it. Our own observations, what we've experienced. Obviously, Dan went through his birth of his first child, which is an exciting time, the last month. So things have changed dramatically for him. And uh, anyway, then we've got Joe's Dilemma. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, I, was actually, I was. I was going to request. Could we do Joe's dilemma before our observations are? Do it anytime you like. Yeah. yeah. We've got our football comment, maybe football fantasy league stuff. History nerd in the house. Uh, we were going to do the game, the game nerd, but with Dan losing his voice, I don't know if that'll work, will it? Yeah. We can just throw questions at him and he can just say yes or no. Maybe you can croak it. Is that okay with you, Dan? Okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Well done. Good on Dan for being here, even though, you know, he's his wife's just given birth. He's He's been in the eye of the storm and he's, yeah. but he's with us today, isn't he? What a trooper. What a trooper. A true broadcaster. Anyway, so... Do you want to, before we even start, I mean, do you want to give us the dilemma before we do anything else? Or do you want to hear, I think the quote with the pod sets the scene. Do you want to hear the quote with the pod? 
Go on, let's have the quote. Last time you told me the quote I chose was lame, so hopefully it won't be too too, uh, down on this quote. The quote I've chosen this week is, All art is quite useless. By... Any guesses? All art is quite useless. That is the most nebulous quote I've ever heard in my life. Who's that from? It's Oscar Wilde. Oh, I take it all back. From the introduction to Dorian Gray, and uh, I just thought it was a good quote because it kind of—if this is a largely—if it is art, I don't even think this ch- our chats are art. But if they are, it is doubly useless, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A whole bucket of useless, but it's trivia, it's chat, and people might relate to it, and maybe it'll, I don't know, just make people feel a little bit better. Some words. It's a shame our English lit graduate, Dan, has lost his voice, because he could probably develop that quote a little bit, but if Yeah, yeah, no, I mean... Could you explain it to a simpleton like me, what he's he's, he's driving at there? Do you know what? One of his fans wrote to him, I was reading up on this, in 1890, and he, he wrote a lovely letter back to him, this fan, and he said... Art is useless because its aim is simply to create a mood. It's not meant to instruct or influence to action uh, in any way. It's superbly sterile. And he goes on to say, I like the bit where he says, A work of art is useless as a flower is useless. A flower blossoms for its own joy. We gain a moment of joy by looking at it. That is all that is to be said about our relations to flowers. Of course, man may sell the flower so as to make it useful to him, but this has nothing to do with the flower. It's not part of its essence. It's accidental. It's a misuse. All this, I fear, very obscure, but the subject is a long one. So he kind of explains it, but it doesn't really. He just basically says, beauty doesn't have to be useful. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to produce anything. Like this podcast, it's not necessarily going to produce anything of great worth. It, it fits that criteria, doesn't it? It's pretty useless. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's, no, it's not. Because it could be like someone gets joy from looking at a flower, then it's not use, useless. It brings yeah, joy. I, I, would you not say that some art has really inspired people to do great things? Exactly. Whatever form that it, it comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe Oscar was having a bad day when he said that. He wrote it at the start of one of his famous books. It was in the introduction. So. It's full of amazing quotes, though, isn't it? Yeah. Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray. Well, I know it's a debatable one, that isn't it? But I thought it was an interesting one. It's something to think about. What do you think, Reese? He's nodding. Yeah, Say, sage. He's sagely nodding in the corner there. Yeah, there's our producer. What about you, Dan? Yeah. Hmm. I can see him nodding. Yeah. Grunting. There you go. So. Let's go on to Joe's dilemma, shall we? Yeah, I, I, the reason why I want to head straight into Joe's dilemma so early on in the pod this week is because I feel like it will generate some conversation, some heartfelt conversation, actually. So, um, my moral dilemma this week, I'm sure, is one in which hundreds of thousands of people throughout the UK have had to face and the dilemma is this what comes first family brackets loved ones Mm. close brackets or the cold hard law of the land (laughs) before falling victim to coronavirus you know i was shall we say flexible maybe naive 
when it comes when it came to the rules and my decisions on how much I would socialise. Mm. And I paid every penny of the price for that, falling victim to coronavirus, spending uh, a week in bed with all of the symptoms, and then subsequent weeks feeling, you know, fatigued. It was a terrible experience. Mm. So now I'm wholeheartedly on board with the government's rules, not guidelines. They're not, you know, they're not hints and tips and advice, are they? They're rules. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, despite going through the same tumultuous consequences of not abiding by the law, mm. my wife, who will remain anonymous at this point, continues to, shall we say, be a little bit flexible with the with the rules. I won't go any further. I'm not going to, you know, hang mm. out my wife's dirty washing. Ooh. That in the, the washing basket. Ooh. But uh, here's the dilemma. In a nutshell, do you, should you report family members to the police, or how far should you go with family members who fail to abide abide by the rules? How far should you go? How, it's interesting, man. I sense this is the tip of an iceberg. That's there's been a discussion, and this is the uh, this has been the the germ that's begun this dilemma in your head. There's been a discussion between you and your good lady over this. I can see that this is just. Uh, your question about should we report family? I don't think. I don't think I'd ever report family to the police. Um, that's an extreme. Unless they committed some serious crime. That's an extreme. But... Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've learned a lesson by being isn't a bit. That, isn't that the point of that? Go on. Go on. Sorry. Well. A little bit of a delay. Isn't that the point? How serious is serious? Well, you said yourself you learned a lesson from your experience over the Christmas holidays and mixing with family and perhaps being, you were following the rules, but maybe the overall common sense principles that even if the government says, yeah, you can do it, you knew there was a risk involved and you paid the price from mixing with perhaps, I don't know, you could have to tell me a couple of dozen people. I don't know, overall. If that. If that, yeah. So And you went back home northwards from our northern city you went even further north to see family and loved ones and yeah we didn't really let our guard down over the the Christmas period we didn't we kind of st stuck pretty because it was weird before the Christmas it was like they were trying to get all the kids in school and we had our daughter off for a few a good few weeks and the school was ringing us up saying get her in you're going to lose your place and almost playing that card and I know a lot of parents kind of folded and we eventually got to half time we sent her in but then as soon as the Christmas holidays came and just after the Christmas holidays the consequence of all that mixing it went full circle or it went 180 degrees maybe not full circle and it was like they suddenly didn't want any kids in and you were a villain if you were sending your kid in almost you could tell that that's not what the teachers wanted so, so there was a consequence to all that mixing that led to a sudden about face because of what was happening with the numbers again going to hospital so in going back to your, pan, your, uh, your dilemma, I don't know, I mean, I had this at the start of the year, I was getting really tied up in knots back in, well not start of the year, sort of midway through the pandemic in the summer when we were coming out of the first peak and people were letting down their guard really quickly and they were going out and then wanting to meet up and I was like, really? And I couldn't f change my brain from the three, four months of just being on our own to just going, yeah, being all devil maker, I couldn't. I just found it really hard to switch off that 
anally uptight feeling I had initially. So coming to now, I'm I'm quite happy with the way it is. As regards family doing it, you can only advise them and say, come on, think about your loved ones, appeal to their better judgment. And we're getting so much advice, aren't we? Not necessarily from the government, but people saying, don't be complacent. I mean, I've been saying to people, it's not just, you're not sticking it to the man. You may be killing your gran. Do you know what I mean? And it's... I think it is. I don't think I heard it from anyone else, but... Do you know what? Because I've seen adverts in town and they're getting really kind of soul-searching, hard-hitting adverts now, like a picture of an older lady with a, with a, on a ventilator, and it's like, look into her eyes and tell her, tell her that you've not broken the rules, you know, that kind of thing. But I think that would work better. You're not sticking it to the man. You're killing your nan. Yeah. Killing your nan. Or gran. Or gran. Nan. Or nan or gran. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know why I said grand, because we used to call our, our grandparents nan, or nanas. Anyway, yeah, so I feel for you, man. I can see, like, you're trying to rein in the, uh, the better half a little bit from her. And obviously she's on a holiday this week, isn't she? She's got a bit of time off, so she feels a bit like, hey, footloose, fancy free. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, older, vulnerable parents... Uh, yeah, yeah. You're walking on eggshells. All you can do is give her the principles, and then you can't control people, can you? I, I, you lose sleep trying to control people. It never works, does it? So I don't know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I don't want to drive this all at my wife. No. Remain or not? I mean, I, it's, what, I, what I imagine is it's probably a conversation a lot of families up and down the country are having, isn't it? You want to do this? I don't think I'm comfortable with that. Where does the line lie? Mm. You got to be consistent. You can't. You can't like be laid back for one side of the family and not the other. Because once you start bending the rules, like say for my parents, we could go, oh yeah, we're going to do that and this, and then it's like unfair on my wife's family, and then it's a case of before you know it, your circle's expanding, expanding, and bubbles goes out the window, doesn't it? And all of a sudden you're mixing with loads of groups. So I think you've got to be consistent and be fair. Whatever you do, but it's different for you because you're in a city where you don't have family. So obviously, it's I'm not going to say it's easier for you to be that ruthless at the moment because you yeah. you don't have the luxury of just driving down the road to see your loved ones. They're miles away, aren't they? So yeah. it's one of them, though, isn't it? It is a it's a dilemma that's just going on. Yeah, that must be going on all over the place. It's a good should, one. Well, should, I'm just going to ask Dan. Dan, do you think I should report my wife to the authorities? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Ooh, right. Interesting response. I could have imagined that's what Dan would say, actually. He's a man of few words at the moment, but that sums it up. What about you, Reese? He's, oh, he's nodding sagely. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Sounds like we're all in agreement, though. We should move on to the next. <laughs> Are we in agreement? I don't think we've resolved it at all, but did we? Hope your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> You're dead, mate. She doesn't. <laughs> she... <laughs> you can rest assured she doesn't. <laughs> what does she say? That's a waste of time. What are you doing? It could waste be... of time. I'm out of here. And that's when the argument starts. Oh, mate. Mate. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Anyway. 
So we're not going to have Line of Genius this week because obviously our man, our resident English literature graduate is suffering with his throat. He can't really speak. He can't come to the phone right now, but he's there nodding. We can get it next yeah. time. Should we go on to Premiership comment? Let's slot in a bit of a light-hearted now, a bit of football comment. When we started with a bit of a chat, who do you think is going to take the league this, this year then, Joe? Because you're a bit of an expert when it comes to the teams, I think. Yeah, it's as we were saying, it's cities, it's cities to lose. That's what we say, isn't it? If City keep going the way they have been playing recently, then it's all theirs in the bag. Mm. Uh, which is a shame because, as we were saying, it was fun. There was somebody else at the top of the table every weekend. Everton were there, Southampton were top for a bit, mm. Spurs, United, and now it looks like. The the, uh, the trophy belongs to Man City, but we'll see. It's still half, you know, still half a season to go, so it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame about Liverpool, isn't it? I mean, they just seem to be crumbling a little bit, which is disappointing. Crumbling. This is interesting, actually, because Klopp's mum died, didn't she, this week? Right. And he he's been a little bit irritable recently. I mean. Not only has he lost some key players to injury, his mum's passed away and he can't attend the funeral. Mm-hmm. You've got to remember, these managers, they're, they're human beings. They have emotions, feelings, mm-hmm. like we do. Mm-hmm. His mind's in two places, I think, right now, which would, for me, explain Liverpool's poor performances of late. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? That's a good point. I didn't realise all that. Yeah, that's going to have an effect, isn't it? And as a, can we say what you support, what team you support? Absolutely, yeah, Man United fan. Yeah, so obviously you're not too happy seeing City perhaps doing as well as they, they are doing. Although, I know in your fantasy team you tend to, you've loaded up with Man City players, so you're not that partisan that you can't think outside that Man U box. If you pick yeah, Gundogan, yeah, Gundogan yeah, and Cachalo and people. You've just touched on a really important point there. If you do want to succeed at fantasy football, you have to wave goodbye to loyalties. You really do. Mm. You know, it's it's hard. And I notice a lot of team, a lot of um, fantasy football players that support Liverpool struggle with this because I think that, you know, that mm. enthusiasm for the team is so strong mm. to kind of mentally accept that Liverpool are going through a bad patch can be hard. Yeah, kind of especially after they were sensational last season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I suppose Dan, your team's Barcelona, isn't it? Yeah, I see. What about you, Reese? You're a, you're a red man if you pushed it, aren't you? You're a Liverpool fan. He's nodding wisely there, in agreement. Yeah, in the back room. Yeah, he's a red. Cool. So thanks for the fantasy football comment, and. Well, we're whizzing through, aren't we? We're getting through all this crap. <laughs> yeah, I've got another great question if we're we're looking for uh, more material, but let's stick to our uh, our you know. Our hey, no, go on, man. Here, does it relate to this COVID nonsense we're going through? No, it doesn't relate to COVID nonsense. But it was a conversation um, I was having this week, and I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Go on, as um, an Al. Do you think somebody is sexist if they would prefer to have um, 
a boy, you know, like let's say you've decided to have a baby and you have a preference over mm. whether it's a boy or a girl, and mm. you say, so for me, I'd say, yeah, I think I'd like to have a little boy. Chances are they're probably going to be into the same kind of stuff as me. That's not always the case, is it? But <laughs> does it make me sexist not to want a daughter? Oh, that's the question. Uh, you know what? I probably had ideas about what I wanted my first biological child to be before the, the first event. But then when I found out we were having a girl, I was just, wow, amazed. I was excited. Tell you a story about the first, the day we went to the clinic and found out it was a girl. We came home and it was an incredible storm going on. It was February, weirdly, February the 14th. Pretty sure it was February the 14th, 2014. Isn't that weird? And it was a huge storm going on. And like, I went, ah, oh, I better go and tell so-and-so. So I was on the, I was on these, it wasn't Zoom then, it was like FaceTime or something on like an iPad, talking to Dan, I was talking to you, wasn't I? And I was all excited. Yeah, he's nodding away there. I was all excited. Luckily, I was chatting away to a, my good brother there about this event. We just found out we're having a girl, I was so excited. And the storm was picking up outside, really hitting our northern Liverpool town. Hitting other towns as well, like, but... And I kept thinking, oh, there's all that washing on the back lines. We've got to have a lot of washing <laughs> lines at the back. I kept thinking, oh, there's about, you know, 15 items blowing around. <laughs> They're going to get blown away. I kept thinking, I better go out there and get it. And then the next minute, there was this almighty... It was like something off The Wizard of Oz. It sounded like a hurricane had descended on the house. And honest to goodness, we all looked at each other. What's happening? And I thought, the roof's been peeled off our little house. It's a bungalow, it's a detached bungalow, and I suddenly thought, oh, the roof's been peeled off. And honest to goodness, that's what we thought. So, went to the loft ladder thing, hatch, pulled it down, expecting to see the stars above us. Yeah. Looked up, pulled the hatch down, looked up. The roof was still there. I thank, said a little prayer, thank you, God, we still have a roof. <laughs> it was so, honestly, but the noise, it was like nothing we'd ever, ever heard. So, I went to the back door. We ran to the back door to think, what's going on there? Open the back door, it was completely encased. You could open the door outwards, but then there was like sheets of something I couldn't describe at the time. You couldn't get out the back door. There was all this like rubberized and debris and masonry, and it was all outside the back door. And it it filled. It was apocalyptic. It was completely. And basically, a block of flats like 30 yards from us had lost their roof, their flat roof had been peeled off in the wind and it had landed, somehow it must have gone up in the air like a sheet, like a sail and then landed on top of our bungalow and been dragged along it by the wind and this this is weighing, this would have weighed hundreds of kilograms I mean it would kill, if I'd been out in the back garden getting the washing out at that moment instead of being chatting to our good man down there I would have easily been killed because the garden was full of bricks and debris and all the stuff that it ripped off the edges of the building. So it wasn't just, it was one solid piece. It took all our, you know, like all our waste pipes, it cut off, it cut the chimney off and like knocked that off the end of the house into like some utility type rooms at the end of the house. And it filled the space between our house and next door. And weirdly, next door's house ended up, the repairs ended up costing more for their house. Because on the face of it, everyone was like, the next day builders were coming around, 
people were just taking it upon themselves to walk through into our garden from the flats builders and people like touting for business and they were just like coming into our back garden it was the weirdest thing and they were saying things like oh yeah mate you're gonna need a whole new roof and I was like <laughs> really? it's just a few broken tiles if that you know what I mean it wasn't like that bad but we, what we didn't realise and this is the disgusting bit we've been flushing the loo just into the back garden because the pipes had been knocked off <laughs> but honestly yeah next door's house looked like something from Sarajevo it was all pockmarked with masonry and stuff and there was the rubbish everywhere it was unbelievable and you know what the newspaper local paper came around the next day and guess what they did guess what they did lost for words I'm I, so engrossed I, in the story well I thought they, they definitely put it somewhere in the tedious local paper because it was an interesting sight you know to see it it was impressive that level of damage it didn't even get in the paper it was weird they just came and took a few snaps someone said and then went off but like the fire brigade came out all kinds that night and uh, wow. yeah so what you're saying is I'm not sexist for wanting a son Oh man, sorry, I went off a complete tangent. But you know, I was really excited. Amazing story, mate. That was that. That sounds incredible. That was the night we found out we were having a girl, and I was really excited about it. And uh, and then we had another girl. Excite, excited. Wait, 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 wait. Can I just ask? Did you find out you were having a girl pre or post the storm? Well, that's why I was. Luckily, that's maybe saved my life because I was on. We found out that afternoon in the clinic, and then we drove back, and the storm was picking up. So we just found out, and I was telling people like my mom and Dan. There, I was going, oh, you never guess. Chatting away, getting all excited about it. So luckily, maybe the excitement of finding out I was having a daughter saved my little life. Because if I'd been outside, honestly, if you'd been out that back door in that back garden, getting silly washing off the line, you should have seen the amount of bricks and stuff that came down with all this huge. It was something ridiculous, like so many. I think it was two thousand square feet. It was huge, and they had scaffolding on that building for like the next six months fixing it, and it cost them like a hundred grand to fix the uh, block of flats roof. But it was incredible, I and mean, if you could have caught that on film, the sight of that thing peeling off, I mean, that would have been something incredible. But anyway. So yeah, in answer to your question, I don't know if it makes you sexist, you can have a preference. Oh, Dan, you've just had baby, beautiful baby boy, perfect little baby boy, and strangely, uh, He's, he was the oldest out of all of us, really, to have his first child, our dad. So, I thought I was old when I had our first ones, but... But then, obviously, our last baby was a boy, and I was so excited about that. I, in my mind, I couldn't picture having a boy after having had two girls. I was thinking, a boy? Isn't that strange? Shame Dan can't talk about it. It's a, I'd love to hear his recent experience of having... He is besotted, I can tell him, just answer for him, he's totally besotted, they both are, and they're over the moon. And I just think, even though they're exhausted, that's right, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean... They're saying they're shattered all the time, yeah, he's nodding away. But I think they're just so happy, and the, as he said, the amount of love you feel for that child is scary, you know, it is scary. And coming back to the question, yeah, love, love having a baby boy, he's such a great guy, he's so funny, and he's such a yeah. pure boy, our little man. He's a typical boy in every sense, and he's you such... Would you like to have children of your own at some point? He's kind of... Uh, yeah, he's nodding, cool. isn't he? He looks non-committal. He's kind of shrugging a bit and nodding his head. With the, with the right lady? Is that is that fair to say? With the right lady one day? He's nodding there. He's 
got a little look on his face. He feels put on the spot, obviously. But anyway, no, I don't think it makes you sexy. I think you're allowed to express preferences. I don't think it... But whatever you get, you don't really have much say in it, I'll be honest. You don't... We're not in some sort of science fiction, uh, Gattaca-type film where you can engineer these babies. You suddenly look, then. Had a look. You st- <laughs> you see my head? Seen that cut on my head? How did you do that? I did it this oh, week in work. It was... I was going to get tested. I was rushing from one part of uh, where I worked to another. Mm. Stupidly, I won't, I'll just give you the bare bones. And there are new security gates here and there. And I pulled one towards me. Do you know, and there was no handle, so my hand is looking down. I've got my little silly card and things with the test in one hand. I grabbed hold of the gate with the left hand, swiped it, grabbed hold of it, pulled it towards me. Big heavy metal gate. And weirdly, because it's work coming towards me, they put the lock. Maybe it's the big block which sticks out about five six inches at head height in the direction you have to pull the gate and it's got a big bolt sticking out the middle of it so of course i didn't know that i should have been more self-aware the opposite of like a kind of ninja really i just pull this big block of metal and this metal bolt into my forehead bang you know like and then carried on walking thinking idiot i hope no one saw me that was embarrassing luckily i was on my own nobody did and walking along and then realized blood's gushing down my face into my eye and think oh my I just crumpled up the little car and thought, what am I, I don't even care about this stupid test, I get them done all the time, why am I rushing? The oh. rattles my gauge, it is something that has been poorly designed, you know. Yeah. My, my pet hate is, is coffee cups with lids that don't mm. grip on properly, properly. Mm. the amount of times I've spilled coffee all down my chest and legs. Really? Yeah, maybe some would say that's careless on your behalf. Why can't you put the lid on the coffee properly? Mm. I just think, so. ah, really, you know, we can ruin a day, a whole day. Yeah, Just yeah. through one piece of poor design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe somebody's got a load of lids that don't actually fit those cups and they're just trying to, like, yeah. get by with them. Well, in America, they'd sue, wouldn't they? In our country, we put up with it and kind of... We're more embarrassed that we did we spilt it on ourselves or smashed our head open with the gate like I was so, I was embarrassed I kind of went and grabbed a load of plasters from the first aid box and just thought I'll let the air get to it but then it kept erupting because it was such a deep gash as the morning went on it kept like re starting to bleed again I probably should have gone to hospital and got it glued but I felt embarrassed it's a very English thing isn't it you feel embarrassed like when you spill coffee on yourself like you say you just kind of go oh no we don't tend to complain or sue that's not our immediate reaction is to yeah, litigate. Yeah. yeah, so that's going in your room 101. Badly designed things. Badly hey. designed things. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. None of, I can't think of any others right now, but... Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, should we uh, take a little aside? We were talking about that film the other day, weren't we? The Dig. Brilliant film. You enjoy it? Really, really enjoyed it. Ralph Fiennes and um, who was the leading actress in it? What's her name? Don't know. Blonde lady. Yeah. Oh, that's going to really annoy me because she was brilliant. But Ralph mm. Fiennes, was, he's fantastic as always. Mm. And a, fam- a family-friendly film. They don't come along often mm. these days, you know. Yeah. It's the kind of film grandchildren, grandparents, mum and dad, 
teenagers yeah. could all sit down to enjoy, I feel. It was good. It had a lot of levels to it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like mortality. Did you at that scene where they're in the boat and they're looking at the stars? A little bit. I, I wasn't in a tearful mood. But, yeah, normally that would get me. I know the one you mean, the scene, yeah, where the, the mother's suffering and she's heading towards her end and the boy's trying to be all stoic, isn't he? And yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful film and it's got so many different layers to it. I just thought it was about regret, wasn't it? It was about the brevity of life and it was about... Didn't you think there was like a parallel to going to war because it was on the edge of the Second World War, the film, wasn't it? This, the beginning, they were about to hear that war had been declared against Germany. And the fact that they were digging up this old German Anglo-Saxon boat from like this mass... Maybe that's just me being a history nerd, but I don't know if that was a parallel. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's brilliant that you picked up on that, because that escaped me, the German-Anglo-Saxon link to uh, about to go to war with the Germans. That's fascinating. I, it did. It was, it, was, it was about time and how we kind of appreciate and calculate time in our heads, wasn't it? This mm. digging up this this relic from thousands of years ago and... Mm. And yeah, her not being well, mm. her, her dad already passed away, and then she's encouraging that other character to live her life because life is fleeting. It was mm -hmm. different angles on a, on a conversation, I suppose. It was her husband, wasn't it, who died? Because the boy was saying, "Oh, when my dad died, his dad had sorry, died." Sorry, sorry, her husband. That's right. Yeah. But no doubt, her parents had died as well. Yeah. So the boy was about to be left on his own, and the brother was going mm. off to join. He joined the RAF, hadn't he? And you kind of thought, yeah. and the mum yeah. says, don't you dare die because, you know, we need you to look after the lad. It was good. Do we recommend the film? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think you've probably got to be in a certain sort of mood to enjoy it, though, would you agree? You've got to be ready to kind of, mm. you know, if you're feeling like if you've had a hard day at work and you just want to watch some 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 binge-worthy stuff, it's not that's not your, your cup of tea. No, you have to be in a kind of serene place. You have to have a bit of peace in you, I think, don't you? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, beautiful film, beautifully shot. So many different parts to it that were just nice. And Ralph Fiennes, he captures the character, doesn't he? The whole class thing back then. The way he wasn't allowed to call himself an archaeologist, he was an excavator. And the way he was put out of the picture and the way he was talked down to by these hoity-toities yeah. from London who just wanted him shoveling stuff. But he knew more about the, uh, the art of excavation than anyone, didn't he? He knew every bit of soil. Great. It wasn't that sad at the end where it brought out. He hadn't been even mentioned until like 10 years ago or something. This guy was written out of history almost. And he was the main so brain. So sad. But so, so good that he has now been acknowledged. I mean, you can go onto the British Museum's website and they have a whole section on all these little images, pictures of the treasure that was inside, contained in that ship. It's really, yeah, it's worth a, yeah. worth a little browse. Sutton, Sutton Who, isn't it? Yeah. Sutton, that's what it's called, yeah, Sutton Who. Cool, so we recommend The Dig. What have you been watching? You been watching anything else worth mentioning? While we're on a little TV section? Do you know what? I watched a, well, I got three quarters of the way through a brilliant film full of laden with fantastic English actors. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, John Le Carre, book turned movie. Mm. Um, and I don't actually want to talk about it too much because I've still got half an hour left so I don't really know how it ends I haven't read the book but that is so far it's got Benedict Cumberbatch 
Mm. It's got um, Colin Firth, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'd recommend it. I get a slow burner, slow spy mm. burner, but good. Is it Gary Oldman? Is it? Is Gary Oldman in it? Or am I thinking of something else? Possibly. possibly. That was a rubbish review. But no, no, I know the one you mean. Good. I've seen the film. It's quite bleak, isn't it? The character's Smiley, isn't he? The uh, main character. Is it Smiley? Yeah, I didn't pick up on his Smiley personality myself. It is bleak. No, no, his surname. I think his surname is Smiley. I wasn't, oh, I wasn't right. saying he was a cheerful character because it's bleak. The whole film is really bleak. And oh yeah, I was thinking. I don't think he's smiling. Sorry, no. I should have explained what I meant. His character's smiley, ironically, and he's quite miserable, like all of them in the film. The ending doesn't get any cheerier. I'll be honest with you. As I remember. Wow, it. I'm really glad I didn't just go with that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's really smiling. He was a lovely, happy chap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Despite the tough circumstances, <laughs> They were a really happy lot, those yeah, spies. No, it's, it's great, it really is. I love that kind of uh, Cold War mm-hmm. espionage mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We've been watching... The kids have been watching it more, but I've been watching it. And At first I didn't buy into it. Dan, you're a big fan of it, aren't you? Yeah. The Mandalorian. Yeah, no. You I recommended mean, it. Yeah, he's nodding away there. He's a big Star Wars fan. He's a real diehard fan, aren't you, Dan? But yeah, they've been watching The Mandalorian, which is like a kind of series of the kind of Boba Fett type characters. It's good. At first I didn't get it. I didn't really appreciate it, but I think it's really well done. The more I watch it, I think, yeah, it's, it's watchable. It's good. We've also been watching loads of Seinfeld, you know, the old 90s comedy. And you either get it or you don't, but Reese and I have been watching loads of it because one of the series was going off soon. So we've been binging it a little bit, but they're very funny. Some of them are so well written. They're like some from the fifties, you know. They're so cleverly scripted. They're really clever. Some of them are hit and miss, but most they're really consistent. The writing, you can see why it ran from like all the nineties. I don't know, it's like eight nine seasons because they are genius. The way they're written. I don't think Seinfeld writes all of them, but you know what I mean. It is very clever. I recommend them. Do you ever watch them? Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, obviously, it's full of like '90s kind of I don't know social norms and things. It's a bit ahead of its time in a way because it's kind of you have to watch it in a way. But some of it's a bit debatable. Some of the social dating stuff and that kind of stuff. But have you ever watched it, Seinfeld? You know what? I've not. It's been recommended to me quite a few times, but I haven't actually ever watched it. can't go wrong with the Mighty Boosh, that is amazing. That is pure genius. I think we're in agreement on Mighty Boosh being genius. Mighty Boosh for me is up there with like Flight of the Concords or Gabriel Enthusiasm. They are just so clever. But again, if you just watch it haphazardly, if you just came across it and watched a little bit of it, you'd, just, you'd switch off and you go, this is too weird. It'd be like League of Gentlemen or something. It'd just You have to really get into that groove, don't you, and, and understand it. Flight of the Concords was like that, and it's one of the most genius comedy shows ever. But if you just quite came across it, you'd think, no. <laughs> you, I, know, I know, I did think the first time I saw it on terrestrial TV, I was just like, no, I can't watch this. Anyway. Hey, wait, do you know what? It got me through my first real breakup 
uh, when I was a teenager, I remember that quite vividly, being, you know, distraught. My first true love had gone down the wow. Yeah. And watching the Mighty Boosh thinking, this is brilliant. This yeah. is just captivating. It's so weird and wacky and no fielding. And yeah. Julian Barrett, oh. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. ideas, the, the sense of humour that you. It doesn't take long for you to get on board with it, does it? If you are going to get on board with it. Yeah, yeah. It's genius. Howard Moon, great character. And the, the shaman and the kind of. What do they call it? The wizards. And. Uh, yeah. Bolo, is it Bolo? Bolo? No, Bolo. Bolo, Bolo yeah. That's yeah he's, it. he's the ape, isn't he? Some of the characters are fantastic. Old Greg. Remember Old Greg? Oh, Oh, yeah. Greg! I'm old Greg! How do you imagine that? And some of the lines that like, you've seen me. Don't even go me. there. Don't even go there. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's like a little club. People who are into it, when you say, oh, Greg, or you say a line from that. Do you like Baileys? Yeah. Do you want to see my watercolours? And people, it's like, ah, yeah. I was once in, of all places, I was in Sefton Park, that lovely little cafe by the lake. And this yeah. is not a mighty bush, but I saw these two. They look like Londoners, you know. They look quite like well-to-do lads. I know they were boyfriends, but they were there, and they looked. They were stood in the queue by me, and we were getting. Everyone was getting coffees, and it was like that small. You know, the little boathouse cafe by the the beautiful lake, Sefton Park in Liverpool. And uh, these two guys, there is a point to this little story. They looked one and looked at the other one and went, "It's a local shop." No, he didn't even say that. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. I've got it completely wrong. He went, a, a can of Coke? A can of Coke? And I looked at him, and I knew exactly, and I went, local shop, yeah? And he looked at me like that. He looked shocked that anyone got his comedy reference. He was talking about yeah. League of Gentlemen. Do you remember League of Gentlemen? It was a weird... Again, this, this is oh. something you've told me to watch League of Gentlemen. I've not watched much of it. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it that much. It's so dark, and it just messed with my head, to be honest. Unlike the Mighty Boosh, which was weird and dark in another way, the League of Gentlemen was kind of like, oh, I don't want to go into it, but some of the characters were amazing. They used to have like a Papa Lazarou, who was like this circus ringmaster, like a kind of Eastern European, and he'd kidnap women and say, you're my wife now. It was like early noughties. It was so good and so funny, but dark and scary and like nightmarish. It was horrible. But this guy saying that, there was in the, the joke was they had this local shop full of kind of weird characters. And when somebody came in asking for a, a can of Coke, the woman kept just saying, I can, I can't. Like she didn't understand the concept of a can of Coke. And she just kept saying, I can, I can't. <laughs> she was like this big faced woman, like some poor inbred local. And then they just often say, This is a local shop for local people. Get out. So anyway, these two camp gentlemen yeah, making yeah, that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that, that's not really fair. This is a cool cafe by the Sefton Park, you know, beautiful yeah, style. Yeah, I thought, it it's it nothing like the League of Gentlemen. I felt a little bit insulted for our great city that they were making that inbred local shop joke. Do you know what I mean? As though like, I thought, no, this is quite a cool, quite a cool hit place in my opinion. It's no, not. I was, was going to say, if you think that cool little cafe in the Sefton, in Sefton Park is. Yeah the local shop and wait until he sees some of them. I thought, where's he from then? Where's he think? What's, is he from New York or somewhere? He thinks that's backward. Do you know what I mean? Like, you'd have to be from... Right. He's probably from Hackney or uh, somewhere cool in East London, somewhere gentrified. Maybe. But that's nice. It really endears you to someone, doesn't it? When they, when a whole world opens up because they've seen 
Yeah. And they're a fan of the same yeah, yeah. Uh, programmers you, especially the Mighty Boosh, because there's so much material to, to kind of bounce off each other with. There is. There's a lot. No feeling, I mean, yeah, he was genius, wasn't he? I mean, what's he doing now, like cookery shows and stuff? Great British Bake Off. Bake he off. went super weird, didn't he, with No Fielding's luxury comedy, but that was like oh, class A drugs, kind of. Was it? Yeah, did you not see any of that? No, no. It was like all of the weirdest bits on the Mighty Boosh on steroids. Like the Crack Fox, that kind of stuff. Oh, just even weirder. <laughs> really, some really genuinely funny stuff, but some stuff you're like, how, where, what is he... Yeah, what's yeah, he on? What's really he on? Colourful, really colourful. No. I'll have to check it out, but not as good as the Mighty Boosh. Not for, no, not for me, but not as kind of accessible as the Mighty Boosh, I don't think. And even the Mighty Boosh, you know, sent a lot of people packing, didn't it? Yeah, you'd have to be of a certain immaturity, maturity level mindset, I think, to get it. Anyway, moving on. How's work going? Good man, I am worried that sustained weeks of working from home, not seeing anybody all day is having an impact on my <laughs> mental well-being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do see my wife uh, when she gets home. Good to, from, good to hear yeah, that. <laughs> from gallivanting around, bending the rules anyway. When we go and you browbeater. You shouldn't uh, be doing that, darling. It's 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 a uh, it's, it's a difficult situation because she's been with people all day. She's a she's a key worker, so she mm. sees people all day, mm. and uh, she wants to come home and switch off. She wants to get a bit of food, mm. food, and a watch suits a program on oh. Netflix. Oh, and no. I'm like, wow, there's another human being in the room. You know, I want to interact. Oh. I want to ask her about a day. I want to. Oh talk to her about ideas and all the possibilities and opportunities that life holds geez I get out of my face I want to chill out do you know what I mean yeah so then I just wander the streets looking for people to talk to behave people, you know do you I'm only joking but that's it <laughs> we, do you know what we should have an email address uh, peasant, so people in, in a similar situation can email in and tell us their thoughts are they finding yeah. that are they going mentally deranged because they're working from home and not speaking to anybody well they can use our Twitter they can message us on the Twitter I did set one up I don't think I've used it very much wow I didn't realise we had a Twitter good. we probably have like zero followers because it's the first yeah. time we've ever mentioned it but peasants up north Twitter check it out we'll start putting some stuff on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't even think the episodes are linked onto it, which is ridiculous. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, I get what you're saying. She wants to switch off and you want to switch on and have a big, deep conversation about everything because you've been just typing away all day in your cyber world. You're in the cyber world. I mean, I love being at home, in contrast to yourself. When I'm not in the workplace, when I'm out home and doing work on the computer at home, I love that because work, I don't know. I was really like a few weeks back I was complaining and sending emails out about this and that and all the stuff I could see that wasn't right there was no soap there was no towels it was like some dirty old there was like a dirty old rag behind like the 
like a reusable one that's meant to not be the case. Meant to, you know what I mean? It's meant to be one use, right? Cloths oh, and things. And I was like, I was sending emails saying, who do I contact who? And I was writing them to managers and saying, hey. And then I got pulled in about it and I was like, almost being told off, like, are you, are you coping? And I'm like, y yeah, coping as well as anyone. But, and I was, all, and then it dawned on me, I was getting kind of quizzed just to see whether I was cracking up. And I was like, no, no, there's no, no soap. Things like that are not. I actually said to the boss in this meeting, I said, that's not controversial. Soap, paper towels, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Uh, come on. I said. What did, the, what, did, what did the other bin men that you work with think? <laughs> Street sweepers. They didn't care. But that was the thing I had to say in a meeting a few days later. Come on. Can't just be me complaining. Like everyone. If you see stuff that's scatty and dirty, bring it up. Because we've got all these risk assessments that are like reams and reams that go on forever but if there's no soap I was like in 1920 they understood you needed soap this is not a new thought oh man Come on. further back than that yeah I know but I'm talking like I was I was thinking like I was referring to the influenza after the first world war you know like the kind of the big Sorry. Spanish flu you know what I mean I was trying to be all like hey come on but I, I actually had to say whoa 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 I'm getting told off for complaining I said why is it taking and to be I finally sent an email to the right person site manager guy came down fitted dispenser for soap one for hand gel load of paper towels and I said that was fixed within three hours because I was moaning you need more people moaning you should be thanking me for moaning because I'm not moaning I'm just pointing I'm giving you the intelligence and if no one does this if people don't tell the bosses what's going on and I said the, the guy fixed it great guy came down fixed it lovely man fixed it why is it taking four months why is it taking me like just three hours got it fixed so don't be giving me grief do you know what I mean and you made to feel like you're neurotic and I tell you what this was going back a couple of weeks the next day driving home listen to this I was so I was so well I was so well and I thought oh no I've caught this flipping Covid bug for sure because I was so sick and I'd been holding it in all afternoon I kept having to go to the, the toilet and I thought I'm going to vomit I know vomiting isn't typically a symptom but driving home on the motorway and I've never ever done this I was driving along thinking I can't make it I can't make it <laughs> so luckily there was a bag of stuff next to me like some parcels in a bag <laughs> quickly threw them out put the bag under me vomiting as I'm driving down the motorway obviously I was in the slow lane I was in control of the vehicle it was all safe That's and the roads are pretty empty anyway but do you know what I got a bit of vomit on my pants that's how bad it was and the rest of the night, I just came in and went, I'm not well. And just kind of had to sleep and then I'd wake up and retch and vomit. And I was like, great. And there's having a go at me about soap, you know, mentioning soap. And I picked up, uh, and I got tested. I got one of those home tests sent through in the next couple of days. And it took about three or four more days before I got the result. I think it was a Saturday. It said negative. And I had heard some people only get vomiting as a symptom. So I thought, it's not beyond the realms. This could be the COVID my body's just vomiting it out but it wasn't it was just a stomach bug i picked up because some workplaces are not that clean i'm not going into where i work what type of place i work but you know what i mean you're only getting told off a little bit for saying <laughs> you know <laughs> too many emails too many complaints oh man and i got and i had somebody in the building i think i had it told you about this somebody in close proximity to me close proximity to me the same room telling me how the night before they'd been around some people who were self-isolating, having a haircut, 
And I was just incredulous. I won't go into any details on that one, but you know when you've got that in front of you and then you drive an own yeah, vomiting yeah, your guts yeah. out and you're thinking, this is not because I'm nervous or upset or uptight about the situation. I know this isn't a neurog neurological thing. This is, I've caught something. Anyway, that was my rant about vomiting, but yeah. That was a first for me, vomiting down the motorway <laughs> into well, a bag. You know what, man? Good job for speaking out. Cause I believe it was Stormzy who said, keep screaming until they hear you out, or something along those lines. Wise and words. Or sack you. Wise words. Is that, maybe that's the proverb that we should finish on. Say it again. But Say it again. I, do you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly how it goes. It was either Stormzy or Skepta or... Um, you know, one of the reputable grime artists. Listen so to you. Keep screaming sure, until yeah. they hear you out, and that's yeah. what he did. So yeah. You. You've got to. Uh, you've got to keep screaming. Don't give up. You can't just become a drone, yeah. just going along mindlessly with everything. Like you were saying before yeah. about grassing up relatives, even if they're breaking the rules or just being devil maker. Do you know what? It's everywhere. It's in workplaces. Even our neighbours, who are nice people, a lot of them, but. From the COVID conga back when they were doing VE and they were all out, and people have passed away in the streets since then. And they'd go, Oh no, she had underlying health issues. And they're always very quick to kind of go, Yeah, yeah, it wasn't COVID. And you go, yeah, It might not have been, but she couldn't get in the hospitals to have her treatment because there's so many sick people from, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and everyone's going in each other's houses, and then, and then they wonder why they're all getting COVID and getting sick. Do you know what I mean? And, and their elderly relatives are then getting sick and they're trying to say, oh, I think I think they gave it to me. I think my elderly mum and dad gave it to me. I'm thinking, probably not actually, just from looking. You're telling me this and you're a lovely person. I'm not going to say it to your face, but I'm thinking. So what you were saying before about, <laughs> what you were saying before about your wife, I think, you know, she's probably the least, the least great offender. There's so many people just say, whatever. And then they get really sick and then, I mean, this one neighbour, God love her. Was telling us about how her husband's been going to work for two weeks while she didn't realize she had the virus and you're like man so he's going to a workplace probably with it not having any tests she's caught it by being you know just complacent and flagrantly just going around to neighbors and stuff and everyone's like but it's human nature to always try and make excuses for yourself and go well i'm the exception to the rule i was do you know what i mean like but, yeah, but at the right. end of the day, people are dying. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, obviously, a lot of the uh, chat we have here is dominated by the COVID, isn't it? Because it is a huge part. That's why you're stuck in doing your work at home. That's why I'm getting to spend so much time at home, which I kind of love because I get to be with the kids and stuff. We were on the trampoline just before, even though it was like Arctic gales and we were all balaclavered up, trampolining and then. <laughs> you know the good thing beautiful thing our, our daughter's learned to ride a bike so things like oh. that probably never would have happened if we hadn't spent so much time in the garden trying to teach her to ride a bike and now she wants to ride everywhere she's great we even fitted go on here's, here's a question for you at the moment Al how are you finding homeschooling um, mm. because it's been a challenge for many mm. so how are you finding how are you coping with it uh, it's a good question tough tough because kids don't want to work at home do they most kids they just want to watch TV or go on a device or just run around 
or cycle. Like, yeah. So it is tough. It's hard getting her to do. Oh, particularly our daughter, the younger guy, he's not really of an age. We try and teach him some things, but yeah, if you get an hour out of her on a school day, you, you're pleased with that. We're not one of these people who are there. You hear about some people who are there at nine o'clock and really reenact the school day, but I don't know. I think it's not realistic, is it? You've got to balance that with real life stuff. And as long as the kids are happy, I just think, you know what? As long as your children are happy, and I'd say this to anyone listening, if they're, ha if they're happy and they're safe, you might just teach them, you know, some social skills by just hanging out with them and having fun with them. And teach them spiritual things by just talking to them, passing on a bit of wisdom. I don't know if that answers your question, man. I mean... Do you know what? If I had children, when I... When I have five children, all boys, <laughs> um, I think the most important thing for this generation is trying to keep screen time down. Yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I always vowed before we had kids that that would be the case, but when you have children, it becomes another matter. Do you know what I mean? The reality and that desire. Because you hear about some schools, don't you, like where they have no screen time at all, some really high fee-paying schools, private schools in this country and American places, and you think, oh, doesn't that sound great? That sounds really cool and Californian and they're doing all wholesome stuff. And But in reality, most of us have to work, so it's just easy to go, here's the iPod, yeah, you can have it for an hour. And then they go on, do you know what I mean? And they're on YouTube and stuff. Obviously, you're monitoring what they're looking at, but it's just the easy... If you want to make tea, or if you want to get some of your own work done, unfortunately, because I mean, let's be honest, I'm not, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in the, I won't say which decades, but we spent a heck of a lot of time watching TV. Did you? Yeah. Films we knew word for word, whether it was Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, Aliens. Did we learn these films <laughs> word Quite for wrong. Yeah, some of them were quite violent. I mean, that was more like teenage choice, teenage films, but... Do you know what I mean? I'm sure when we were... That's quite heavy. Yeah, not five-year-old. We went five watching Lethal Weapon, I don't think, but... Yeah, we were watching Star Wars and stuff like that, and, you know, we were always watching... We always had the VHS or Betamax on, or whatever it was. <laughs> watching tape cassettes. Honestly, we were watching stuff all the time, and you'd be watching the same trash as everyone else, really. You'd be rushing home to see the same programmes. Do you know what I mean? On... BBC or ITV or whatever, or Channel 4 yeah, or whatever, yeah. and you'd all be watching the same things, which was cool. Don't, kids don't have that now, that kind of shared watching, you know what I mean? Because everyone can watch things in their own time. No one, we used to go home and watch all the same programmes in the 80s and 90s, which was good and bad, you know, it was cool. Because you'd all be watching News Round and Grange Hill and Biker Grove and Neighbours. Home and Away. Home and Away, maybe, but Neighbours, definitely. <laughs> and then you'd be watching... <laughs> Sim away? I don't know. That was even a bridge too far for us, I think, you know. But we'd watch really? things like Wonder Years and The Simpsons and Quantum Leap, Crystal Maze, Roseanne. We used to watch all these programmes and nowadays, I don't know, kids just don't have that shared... They probably watch the same films and stuff on Netflix or Disney or something, but there's something kind of nice... Instant gratification. That's what kids have these days. Yeah. They can watch whatever they want, whenever they want. For yeah. However long they want. That's the exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, um, it is. It's all instant, isn't it? Uh, we've covered so much, man. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I can hear some screaming going on in the background. 
How are you doing, Dan? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I was just about to offer an apology to Dan. Sorry, Dan, for not involving you in the conversation. Well, how are you doing? You alright? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, cool. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Reese? I can see you twiddling knobs and stuff over there. Our producer. No, stop the twiddling for a minute. How you doing? Yeah? He's nodding away. He's like a wise old man in the mountain, isn't he? Yeah. Look at him. We'll have to get him on. He could be like the... Uh, He's got. He's a font of wisdom, that guy. We need to get him on more and get his opinion on things. What are your thoughts on the vaccine? Any ideas, Joe? I'll ask you first because obviously you haven't lost your voice. Dan's lost his voice, and and Reese doesn't speak. What are your thoughts on the vaccine, Joseph? On one hand, um, I think just get the vaccine if it's gonna. If it's going to speed up the road to normality, inject me with whatever you like. <laughs> However, on the, the other hand, I think uh, I do take notice of these countries that are really playing playing the A game at dealing with the virus that have actually said, we're just going to hold on and see what the data says mm. after millions of people in the UK have had it and then we'll make our decision then, which I find a little bit unsettling. Yeah. And plus, another thing for me personally is that I have, uh, I'm allergic to three different nuts. Right. Or tree nuts. And one of the, that's, so that's one thing you've got to look out for getting the vaccine, is that you don't go into like amaphyletic shock. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's going to be ages before I can even have the vaccine anyway, being such a young, healthy man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, You're not top uh, of the list. the other day. Did I have it the Great other day? Story. He went to the community centre and they said to him, well done, that's the vaccine, we want you to sit in the car for 10 minutes um, because you know you might have a fit, you might have a reaction. So he said he had the vaccine, got in the car and drove home. Who, who was that? Sorry man, who was that? My, my dad. Your dad, oh. He didn't want to hang around, did he? He was like, I'm fine. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to fit on the road at 60 miles per hour on the way <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah above it he's but, cool uh, he's a cool guy what a, he doesn't mess around you are you going to have the vaccine do you know what I thought I told you man I had it oh no yeah you did actually sorry week, a week and a half ago I had it a week about 10 days ago I went to a big stadium in St Helens it was pretty surreal it was like being in a weird science fiction films mostly old people but I got a pass I got told to go there because of work that I do and yeah it was kind of weird it was kind of weird and you had to queue in like rows and then sit in rows and rows and then gradually they'd call your row out but I was thinking and I said this to the old guy next to me I thought you're going to catch it anywhere it'll be here and he went <laughs> yeah because it it was just hordes of people, like loads of nurses. I didn't see any police or military, but it was almost mili felt military the way it was being run. And it was very organised. And uh, loads of people on laptops and little booths. And the nurse, she was the most human person. She was really nice, the old lady who, older lady who gave me the injection. But she started giving me all the side effect possibilities beforehand. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> please. She started to scare me a little bit with all the side effects. And I'm a bit of a sissy when things are getting stabbed into me, so I just 
grit my teeth. And yeah, I, I actually did sit there for 10 minutes and obediently waited until they said... They didn't say you could go, but I just kind of waited 10 minutes and sat there and texted yeah, my wife yeah. and that. And I was fine. You know what? I was fine. That was half 11. I was fine all day. And then it got to half nine at night and I've been doing loads all day playing with the kids I was off the rest of the day working at home and great day and then suddenly at half nine ten hours later started to feel the effects and like oh man I couldn't even describe that night for the next 18 hours through to about 6pm the next day so I'd say 10 hours fine then 18 hours bad like shivering slight headache just feeling incredibly weak, all my limbs aching, shivering. It was like loads of different sim symptoms at once. I had the Oxford AstraZeneca one. Just felt terrible, aching, yeah. And like a crash course in COVID by the sounds of it. Man, yeah, I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. I just felt awful. rest of the day was a write-up. Didn't sleep all that night as well, which was weird. So, like, yeah, right through from midnight to 7 o'clock, I was just awake, heart was racing felt full of adrenaline, I said to my wife, if I have a heart attack, you know, uh, I love you. I honestly felt, you know, but I spoke to somebody yesterday who said they, they had the same thought process, they thought they were going to pass away with it. And I think, and a few people I work with said the same, you know, one guy I work with is a tough boxer, you know, he's like a tough scouser, and he was like, yeah. It took him days to get over it, and I thought, oh, that makes me feel a little bit better and less of a sissy. It seemed to be everyone under the age of 45, knock for six, especially super fit people. I'm not saying I'm super fit, but I'm probably fitter than an average person. And, like, mm. I felt knocked sideways for, yeah, as I say, good 18 hours. Whereas my dad, who's 70 and, you know, smoked for most of his life for 50 years and still enjoys a tipple, not a, didn't bat an eye, nothing. Fine. Wow having a glass of port that night didn't bat and same with my uncle as well so it seemed like people who weren't that fit who've had you know near death illnesses like cancer and stuff they didn't even like have any immune response I don't know what that what does that tell you what does that suggest that is the most intriguing thing I think about coronavirus is just how much of an individual experience it is isn't mm. it for everybody it is you know, it unlocks the code in your body and uh, as we've said I think we mentioned on the previous episode my wife has got asthma so when we learned that she had coronavirus we were really worried we were thinking how are you going to react to this because mm. you know perhaps you've been slightly um, sculpted or affected by the, those videos that you see on social media of like coughing to death in the hospital with respiratory with already like currently existing respiratory problems but mm. she was fine she was okay she mm. was over the worst of it in a couple <laughs> of days whereas I you know it humbled me I'll, mm. I'll tell you that for free you mm. know I like to think I go running two to three times a week I play a lot of football if I'm not outside working out I'll do like a bit of stretching and a few exercises indoors like not two or three days doesn't go by without me doing some work in and out you know and I don't eat a lot of sugar mm. try and keep I you know, eat a lot of veg and fruit and all that kind of thing, and it just knocked me for six. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting that, isn't it? What? Yeah, there's no yeah. rhyme or reason. Maybe your immune system is well attuned or super healthy. Maybe that's that was my take on it. Better your immune system, maybe you react better. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, mm -hmm. I, I think I did to message you when I was going through it. I made a little 
lame haiku haiku poem when I was uh, on my sick oh, bed. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Why don't we read that out? You, you talk for a second. I'll read that out. That was good. Have, have you got it? Uh, let me just find it. it was... I, I never do haiku poems, and yet that came to me. I just felt really creative. I was, I was lying there like a corpse. <laughs> I'll make a haiku poem. It's a, it, re it, it reads, Haven't slept a wink. Vaccine is doing its thing. Feeling knocked for six. Wow. Vaccine haiku. Beautiful. Now you read it, then I, I regret doing it. I realise how, <laughs> <laughs> how crap it is. That's really oh, very poor, very poor, as uh, Vic and Bob used to say. Very poor. Mate, anyway. Dan will, if he could speak right now. Look at his face. Look at his face. Look at him shaking his head. Listen, yeah, yeah, mate. Look at him. Who do you think you are? What do you think of that, Reese? He's kind of nodding his head side to side. No, he's not committing. He's not impressed, is he? Anyway. It's been great. I mean, it's been hard doing the, the chat with just the two of us, in a way, but then in some ways it's easier to have a conversation. You don't have to keep throwing the questions around. Dan is like the silent one there. I know he's got a lot to tell us about the baby experience, having a, his first child and in the lockdown and in Spain. We, we need to hear more of these. When he gets his voice back, we will hear this, hopefully. And Reese, we need to hear your words of wisdom, man, because you are like our Carl Pilkington. We know you have a lot to offer that is just going to be pure comic gold, I reckon. When it, when it comes out, it's going to be good. Anyway... I mean, I'm sure there's a million other things we could talk about, but we've kind of we've covered so much ground, and we haven't been as regimented as last time. We tried to stick to like a horrible little plan last time, and it just sounded naff, didn't it? Last podcast number two. We haven't done our history nerd in the house. Can you be? Uh, do you want to hear one? I got one. Okay, I do, I do want to hear one, and I I'm hoping that it's got something to do with the dig after we watch the dig. Oh me. Well. I thought you were going to say brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> Get on with it. No, it hasn't. You know what? It hasn't. It hasn't got anything to do with Anglo-Saxons or Sutton Who. Sorry, man. I should have done for continuity. Yeah. What was I thinking? I mean, it's got a boat reference. Is that tenuous enough for it's you? A little bit tenuous. Well, maybe very briefly. Um, Go on. Yeah, of course we are. We're, we're running short on time. In the film, in the dig. There was there was ongoing discussion as to whether this boat was a Viking boat or a, a Viking boat or an Anglo-Saxon boat. Yeah. And they couldn't believe it was Anglo-Saxon. Why yeah. is that history nerd now? Why was that more interesting than Viking? Yes. Yes. Because it it meant potentially it could have been three four hundred years earlier, I suppose. So it was older. And okay. also they were raving about the Anglo-Saxons because obviously the Anglo-Saxons settled Britain after the Roman collapse, didn't they? And they kind of have various Anglo-Saxon kingdoms up until, what, the Normans? The Normans get rid of the last Anglo-Saxon king, don't they? Harold II, is it? Harold Godwinson. So I suppose what's impressive is it's the beginning of an era of, <clears throat> in the Dark Ages, you know, these pagan people come over from Anglia and Saxony and they, I don't know why, they were more impressed by it being Anglo-Saxon. But I suppose they were just more... Because they, they form the basis of English society, don't they? They bring our language that we speak now is English and things like that. You know, the grammar and most of it. We're speaking a Germanic 
barbarian language, aren't we? It's kind of obviously it's had loads of French and, and Latin-y, Latin words added in and stuff, and it's been mongrelized. But ultimately, it's yeah, we speak an Anglo-Saxon. We are ethnically Anglo-Saxons. As my granddad used to say, and he, he fought against the Nazis, that the word German means brother, which is interesting because we're is the most. That right? Ah, what a bombshell to end this show on. It's incredible. Do your own research on it. Don't take my word for it. But yeah, he used to say that. That yeah, and it's true. I, I've done a little bit of research on that. But I think the entomology of the word German, as we say it, means brother. It's to do with the relative anyway, so I think ethnically and culturally from a long time we were closest related. And I'm not just talking about the last 200 years where we've got our royal family from Hanover, the Georges or whatever, and the fact that they were the, the Saxe-Cobergs. I'm talking about us as a, an island-dwelling nation. There was a huge displacement of the Welsh people, you know, into Wales, and England was repopulated by these Anglo-Saxon people. So I said, yeah... I don't know why they were so excited about it. Maybe it's just more rare to find an Anglo-Saxon yeah, yeah. boat because also the Vikings pillaged everything, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? They were great. They were great robbers, and they were, you know, what I mean, to actually find an undisturbed hoard of treasure that Sutton who was. After us talking about the dig and that kind of stuff, we don't need a history nerd fact. I was going to give you one about quarantine, yeah. blah blah blah, about. But anyway, save it, save it, save it for another day. Anyway, man, we've had a good chat. I think we've covered a lot of stuff, haven't we? We don't need to... What do you think, Dan? Yeah, no, I mean... I'm... Yeah. Cool. What about you, oh, Reese? Reese, all right. Look at his little face. He's looking looking good. Do you know what? That guy, we're honoured to have him as our producer. Do you know what he was when he was in school? He, he won the prom king. He was telling me this. Well, I know this. I know this from previous uh, interactions with the... Our producer. I mean, he was a prom king. Ugly. Go on. Ugly mugs like us, we've got to make up for what we don't have with our words, but producer Reese, he doesn't need to say anything. Got it on a silver plate. And he was voted on the same night as their prom the most fanciable boy. Oh, stop. Do you know what? It's annoying, isn't it? Both of those accolades on the same day. No, Doesn't get any better than that. That was the pinnacle, possibly, and after that, it's all downhill. But for the and he was voted for by his peers and I was saying, oh man, to be that loved and popular and to have people say, you know, you're handsome and I don't know. A lot and of jealous guys, I imagine, in his year. Jealous guys. Yeah. You think I'd be, so? I'd be, yeah. I'd be, oh, I think. Jealous. Yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? But then I think because he wasn't in your, in your face, big head. I think some of the guys might have voted for him as well, actually, because they liked him. I know. Look at his little face there. Anyway, we're embarrassing and we're embarrassing. Let's not talk any more about it. It's been a pleasure as always, Joe. Yeah. And Dan, thanks for your contribution. Wise words. Reese, thank you for your nods and uh, your participation, twiddling those buttons and knobs over there. You're doing a great job. Get the sound right this week, will you? Otherwise, you're sacked. You're out. You're out. <laughs> anyway, listen, man. When's your good lady coming back? Oh, from gallivanting around, bending the rules. Um, I'm not sure actually. <laughs> oh, we should wrap this up. Yeah, We're not yeah, in yeah. any danger of ever finding out about the discussion. But no, no, the there is a slight danger. 
I'll get Reese to edit it out. Don't worry. Okay, man. Listen, have a great evening. Have a great week. And uh, keep us posted what you're up to. Any yeah, see you soon, Dan. See you. Take care, guys. Any final thoughts, Joseph, you'd like to say before we go? No, it's been great. This has been a good, good episode. Looking forward to feedback. Yeah, you know what? We're getting nothing but good feedback. Low, hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of downloads. People are really getting into it. We need to get more feedback from our listeners as to what they want us to talk about because we're kind of just rambling away, aren't we? This is like our own little therapy session. COVID, coping with COVID, we'll call it. Anyway, man. Coping with COVID, but then you're limited to the fact that when the virus nonsense stops, we're stuck with that name then, aren't we? Forever associated with this depressing little time period that we're in. Peasants Up North. You've been listening to Peasants Up North. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We love you all. Goodbye from Joe. <laughs> there he is waving. They can't see you waving. Goodbye from Reese, our producer. Goodbye from Dan in Barcelona, our baby maker. And goodbye from me. <laughs> Take care. Bye. <laughs> Man. You know I love your DNA I realize that might sound strange in your hair, in your fingertips, in the sweetness of your lips, or the smoothness of your lips. You know I love your DNA, or deoxyribonucleic acid, I should say. I did some homework, can you? Can you tell To let you know that you're real swell To let you know you're real swell Girl